Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool, walking kind of nowhere, and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello, Broads. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday or whenever you're listening to this, Broads. How are you doing, B? (laughs) Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm pissed as fuck right now because we just got back from the beach (laughs) and I have a PSA to put out for all listeners, anyone within beach vicinity or who plans on going to the beach anytime soon. This goes for COVID or not COVID. (laughs) Don't come Mm -hmm. within 20 feet of me on the beach, especially when there's like 90 yards of empty space around us. I, we got, we're like, wow, we're like, wow, there's no one out here. We've got this whole place to ourselves. We set up camp. I'm not joking. At least 50 feet of empty space on either side of us. And then these motherfuckers (laughs) come down and park their shit within 10 feet. I'm not exaggerating. Within 10 feet of us. And they have a little kid so who's, coming into our, who's coming into our camp trying to touch our stuff. <laughs> the kid's just like touching your babies. Just like the audacity. <laughs> and I was like, it's one of those things that I'm actually not good at being confrontational about. So I just sat there like and she was like, oh, my gosh, so sorry coming to get her kid. And I was just like, you're like. Not being too aggressively like, but enough face, but, but the eyes. You got to give the eyes so that she questioned herself and made her feel insecure. So anyway, that's my PSA. Just don't. Yeah, sit down I think people. that's a necessary PSA, whether whether it be the Corona times or no. Yes, so rude. <laughs> anyway, more importantly, we more have importantly. a fantastic guest today. We are so excited to introduce them. I am so excited because one of the broads slipped into my DMs recently and was like, you have to check Selena the stripper out, a.k.a. pretty boy girl. I hopped on their Instagram, started listening to their podcast, and I'm like, wow, I've been binge listening for the past two weeks. So I'm so, so excited. Selena, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's such an honor. And thank you so much for allowing my ears to be filled with something other than my daughter's voice. God bless her for the past two weeks. I've had such a great time binge listening to all of your episodes. They're so informative and so fun. And yeah, it's been incredible. So do you want to give a little intro? Sure. Um, Okay, so I'll just talk about the podcast to start. So the podcast is called Ho in the Know, and it's spelled the worst way possible. (laughs) (laughs) I like make fun of it, and I whenever I'm like shorthanding it, and I'm like, it's Hukes in the Nukes. (laughs) I love it. I think it's clever. (laughs) It's so good. 
it's it's definitely like hearkening to my Creole roots. Like you go to Louisiana and everything has an E-A-U-X at the end of it. Like go team go. It's like G-E-A-U-X or whatever. No way. Yeah. Yeah. You just it's so deeply cultural down there. Like the um, like Creole Cajun roots. It's like throw a little French in there and you're fancy. Um, so Home in the Know is a podcast about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. And um, I interview sex workers across like a variety of different fields. So it's everybody from porn stars and cameras to cuddlers, uh, people who are doing pretty much everything in between street based sex workers. We've been talking um, this month to a bunch of uh, black trans sex workers and they are like incredible. Some of the most radical conversations I've ha- like been having, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, we really dive in. And I think, you know, my core mission is that like every hoe is a historical hoe. We are all creating history because our history has been unwritten. And so like cultivating this history through our oral tradition, through this podcast is like, meat of it and then we throw back to history because you know there have been actually written about hoes throughout time so um dive into our collective history and then in between we have like some really jokey commercials to to add a little levity because we don't have real sponsors so (laughs) so that's the crux of it um and then my online platform is all about um talking about my sex work i'm a stripper but i also do escorting i'm also Sometimes the sugar baby and um, I do like so many different things, even phone sex. Lately, I've been deep into phone sex with one of my clients. So, um, yeah, my account's all about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would imagine. And I want to ask more questions about that later, about since COVID, like what's that looked like um, as a sex worker? And um, but before we dive in even more, um, can we talk about your pronouns for a moment? Because Becca and I actually wanted to know. So. You go by they, them, and then fay fair. And I personally, yeah, I, I don't know. I I feel, I'm like, am I, I feel silly even like bringing this up, but I've, I've never heard fay fair pronouns. So if you don't mind explaining. Um, I mean, you know, there's such a variety of like pronoun options and most people go for they, them because it's like the most ubiquitous options. I think people have like finally adjusted to saying they, them, and like they're not mm-hmm. super resistant to it. Um, I chose Fay Fair because I felt like it suited me and there is some precedent of it uh, being pronouns that people use. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's just an instinct. It was just like, that suits me. Like, that's what I am. And um, yeah, you know, and then there is always the question like, oh, isn't this just going to make things more complicated? And I'm like, well, wait, am I allowed to cuss? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's complicated for people, you know, like I think my existence is already complicated enough. So why not add in some complicated pronouns? But they're really easy to spell. It's like F-A-E, (laughs) F-A-E-R. Okay, so you would use that like, well, I guess I guess Faye sounds like kind of like a name when you use that. That's pretty easy to use. Faye went to the beach. Faye is over there. Mm -hmm. But then fair would be like. That's fair name. A fair name. Yeah. It's like a... I'm borrowing fair shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> well, thanks for explaining that to oh us. Gosh. Yeah. Very thank cool. you so much. Is there like a... Is there some sort of resource where you can find like a definitive list of the types of pronouns? 
Um, I mean, I think a lot of that is evolving, just like all of this language is evolving. Um, there are some, if you search like Fayfair online, you can tap into some of those lists. Very cool. Also got a shout out the breastfeeding going on. That's great. Oh my God. This is like, yeah, this is the only way we can do things right now. He's three weeks old and we did this with my daughter too. It's like the first couple months for the podcast. This is the... This is the only way recording gets done. He's very loud, though. He's a little freshy. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear him gulping. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's no, like, in the past oh, few episodes, oh, you oh. can hear him, and it's the cutest thing ever. He's just like a little bit in the background. <laughs> <sighs> it's crazy. Anyway, so um, okay, so I'd also love to hear how you got involved in sex work in the first place and kind of like how your personal and professional journey led you to where you're at right now. Oh, yeah. Um, so once upon a time, I was a, a college student and it was, you know, I mean, college is fucking expensive. It was 20. OK, maybe 2012, 2011, whenever I started college and good tuition was around like, I mean, 40,000 plus annually at that point, like cut to so many years later. And it's ridiculously like 60,000 where I formally went to college. But even then, you know, 40,000 is not a little chunk of money. So um, my family was struggling to pay for my education and stuff, but they did pay for my education. I'm super privileged that way. Um, But I didn't like there wasn't a ton of money for me to just like do, you know, little things like I was still living like under a pretty tight budget. Um, And I had always been kind of interested in sex work. Like I was always watching like since I was a kid, I was like any little bit of like media about sex work. I was like, I need to watch this. Is there like something about prostitution, quote unquote, although we would use a different word nowadays, we would say full service sex work or escorting. Um. You know, like I was super interested. I was like, I need to watch this. This is really hot. This is really cool. I want to be in the underworld like really badly. Um, And so I was just like such a sponge from like super young. I think I was like 11 whenever I first started thinking about this. Did you come from? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, did you come from any sort of religious background or anything like that? Like, what's up? Okay. I mean, how many Catholics are there (laughs) in sex? (laughs) (laughs) yeah um very deeply catholic family (laughs) so it was it was very guarded um i think like this kind of knowledge and culture was you know very much set apart as something that was not you know appropriate for me and was not something that i should be looking at but of course that just makes you want to look more Mm-hmm. Um, of course. So as a, so whenever I got to college, um, at first I tried to get into phone sex, but then I got scared of people having my number. There are like ways that they kind of separate you from your number on actual phone sex sites. But I made a profile. It went. I didn't do anything. I, I didn't even think about it creatively. Like I used one of my pictures and I was like, I didn't need to do that. I could have just used like a stock photo of anybody. <laughs> Just pretend. Like, damn it. Most, I know it's like the most pretend land opportunity. That's so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I and I know if um, you've been listening to the podcast a little bit, I did a segment about uh, Gabri Sidibe and like yeah. she was a phone sex operator for years and she used like a white woman's picture because it brought in more traffic and the site was to cater to, you know, men looking for that. Um and she just worked in the pretend land. And she said all of her coworkers were black women with white female, well, you know, 
women pictures as their profile pictures because, you know, uh, skin color is money. So anyway, uh, my first formal foray into sex work was actually getting on to seeking arrangements and sugar daddy dating. <laughs> Which is a whole spiel. I'm laughing because I remember creating the Seeking Arrangements profile, I think, my sophomore year in college and then talking to guys on the phone and getting too scared to ever meet up with anyone. It's really scary. And like I put myself at risk. I was like, so I was interning in New York. I went to college out in Maryland. And so I would go up to New York, intern with this artist. And um, I was like, okay, well, I'm in New York. That's a great place to meet sugar daddies, right? I mean, theoretically, yes, but in reality, it's way more complicated than that because you have to screen people. You have to like know who actually has money. You need to have really complex conversations about money and negotiations, like knowing your value. What are you willing to do for X amount of money? Like, where are you willing to go? Are you willing to meet them in person and go to their private residence? Do you only work out of hotels? Do you do only public dates? What is this? What does a person who does this look like, you know? Which all of this is hard enough to navigate on like a normal business level, like just trying to figure out how much to sell your work or your or, you know, whatever, much less your time, your body, your Mm -hmm. private life, like everything is so intertwined into starting to do that work that I can't imagine navigating that. It was I mean, and I didn't know, like I didn't, you know. I didn't have the community, I think, with a lot of these online like platforms and and doing sugar dating. It's like you're doing this as a solo enterprise, like uh, enterprise. You don't have a whole crew of like people like you do. in, for example, a club environment where, you know, there are veteran strippers and there are Mm -hmm. people who have been there and you can watch other people's hustles and you can learn things it's all on your own and you just have to like somehow pull from the void, like how to be your own business because you are truly just like, I am my own business of myself and my body and the skills that I have. Um, so that was a complete flop. Nothing good happened. I like made out with an old guy in a park and I was like, I don't want it. Like I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I <laughs> And I just didn't know anything at that time. So I didn't fully get into sex work until I graduated from uh, college and um, I had a shitty job uh, and I had a bunch of stripper friends and they were like, quit your job. You hate it. Like you would be such a great stripper. And and I was like, it sounds so fun, but I'm scared. And then I just Mm -hmm. finally did it after had a really terrible day at work I was like shaking from anxiety because my boss would just come and berate me and she would for doing a bad job but also she wouldn't supply me with the tools that I needed to do my job well Mm. like I was making garments for this boutique and she wouldn't give me basic things like a ruler or like scissors that cut properly or like a hip curve or a French curve. Like if you're while you're making while you're like designing and creating clothes, you didn't get those things. She wouldn't give me patterns like she wouldn't let me like she wouldn't provide any patterns to work for them or anything. She's like, why can't you just make it? And I'm like, because I wasn't taught that way. Like I was taught to use a pattern. Yeah so stressful I quit I went to uh, this strip club that the number of my friends were working at we were all alums from the same art school (laughs) 
Um, and, uh, and I just showed, I showed up for an audition one night and they were like, oh, we already let in two, like three other dancers come back tomorrow. And that was like really hard to deal with because, Mm. uh, I'd gotten, I'd gotten myself pumped and it's like to go there and show up and like not be able to do that. And it was also like, I was really poor, like uh, the Uber ride that it took to get down to the club was like substantial to me. Mm. That was like, that could have been food money, but I did it anyway. I like came back the next night and they hired me and I worked the, that night and I made like $400. And that was like more than I had made at once, like at any time in my life. All right, broads, before we dive in more, let's take a quick pause. Um, So I see a common theme across social media these days that I am guilty of participating in as well, and that's the virtual happy hour. (laughs) I've always loved them while they're going on. I mean, friends, wine, the comfort of the pajamas, my couch. It's literally the perfect scenario. But then the dreaded next day hits, and I swear anything more than one glass of wine, and I'm useless the next day. Hello, almost 32. I don't remember how old I am. Anyways, that's why I always turn to DHM detox. So my days after aren't wasted lying in bed feeling just so groggy. DHM detox is the vitamin for people who want to enjoy alcohol and not feel horrible the next day which I'm pretty sure is everyone Mm -hmm. who enjoys a hangover. I don't know. I don't think it's one. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, feeling hungover is pretty much the absolute worst. But DHM Detox can prevent that. They use science to help boost your natural response to alcohol and break down those pesky toxins. It's made up of all natural ingredients, antioxidants, and vitamins. So really, it's just giving your body a head start in what it's already good at doing, which is detoxing Mm -hmm. and i can't wait to put this product to use sometime in like the next year whenever i start drinking honey i cannot wait to be at a bar with you in the future somewhere and be like oh girl and open my purse and be like you need this and have my detox (laughs) ready for your ass okay can't wait (laughs) i cannot wait and you know that lovely pounding headache once that does happen Mm. that usually comes after a night of a few drinks you've probably been told a million times that that comes from dehydration but it actually comes from the buildup of alcohol's toxic byproducts So if you just take those two DHM detox capsules after your first couple of drinks and it goes to work right away, breaking all of those down Um, and they come in, like I said, those convenient packs that are easy to throw in your bag or your purse or anything like that. And like I said, they're always in my purse. They're always ready. They will be ready for Becca. (laughs) How important is your next day after drinking for just a couple dollars? You can wake up feeling fine. And there's free shipping on all U.S. orders. So DHM Detox is a risk-free purchase. If you aren't satisfied after taking their product, they'll give you your money back. So it's a no-brainer. And for 20% off your order, you can head to DHMDetox.com and use promo code CHATTY at checkout. That's spelled D-H-M-Detox.com. D-E-T-O-X. If you have any questions, send a message to at DHM Detox on Instagram. They're the bestest. Um, Also, here's the thing. For most everyone, even the slightest stressors can totally disrupt our libido. Okay, we're talking a lot about sex and libido in this episode. Any sort of stress can disrupt that and our sex lives. 
But in the worst catch-22 of all time, a healthy sex life can help alleviate stress, but it's hard to maintain a healthy sex life with a partner or solo sessions while you're stressed. It's just not Mm. fair, okay? And that's why now more than ever, it is so important that we embrace that piece of self-care and take charge of our sexual satisfaction. And for myself, my number one secret to that, especially lately, has been O-Shot CBD Arousal Oil. Love it. It's fantastic. And uh, yes, I am speaking from experience. O-Shot is 100% natural. Doesn't burn me. Mm. I love it. Mm. It's made with luxurious liquid coconut oil and hemp derived and hemp derived CBD plus all natural botanicals like kava root, peppermint, cinnamon, ginger and vanilla. If you're thinking that sounds pretty tasty, you are 100% right. It's 100% delicious and edible broads, and the best part for Jess and I, absolutely no irritation for no. our sensitive body parts. Yes, no irritation. Uh, O-Shot Arousal Oil can take you from that zero to overdrive in minutes, and it lasts for up to an hour. Uh, it instantly amps up your arousal and ability to achieve stronger, more frequent orgasms, aka those happy hormones, which in turn equals less stress. Thank you. Uh, that's something we could all really use right now. And if you're looking to improve your libido or spice your, up your sex life, if you want to try it solo or use it with a partner, I'm telling you, O-Shot is a must try. It's just that good. Becca and I, we shout mm-hmm. O-Shot mm-hmm. from the rooftops. Yes. Uh, so listen up. O-Shot is offering our listeners 20% off O-Shot plus free shipping. So you just go to O-Shot cbd.com today and you enter code chatty that's o-s-h-o-t cbd.com enter code chatty you're going to get 20 percent off oshot and the whole site so thank us later go to oshot cbd.com enter code chatty did you have any kind of background in entertainment or dance or anything like that or or well i'm sure it's helpful too to have friends who already who already work there who can kind of let you know what to expect but that sounds so scary just yeah, even on a basic performing <laughs> level like, that gives me so much anxiety just thinking about like performing a, re- a people, retail just... job same day they'd be like here like same exact day if i've worked retail before and they're like hey same day turn around i'd be like uh holy shit no i i don't that yeah exactly i mean that's just how strip clubs are is i mean like you know, California is different because we had a big uh, law change like AB5. So things are a little different here. But mm. most strip clubs, you go there, you show up prepared to work that night and you better have outfits and makeup and baby wipes and any other wow. like snacks and stuff and be prepared to like be on your feet for six hours after you audition. You're just in. What was the law that changed here in California? Um. So AB5... Um, Assembly Bill 5 is the law that turned uh, most a lot of independent contractors or people formerly classified as independent contractors into employees. And that included strippers and Uber drivers, even uh, so far as like writers uh, like new um, writers for the news and Mm -hmm. and other like, you know, news outlet stuff. Um, And then even musicians under music labels. So a lot of their all of their statuses have been contested and there's been like a lot of legal strife about how this law was implemented and how broadly it has kind of put people under the umbrella of employee. And Hmm. it's so the way that it's affected strip clubs specifically is that 
Um, so now strippers are employees, which means that we ha are entitled to like hourly. And then if you're able to get enough hours, you can uh, get things like health care benefits and stuff. And then on the more political side, we can unionize, which is a huge um, it's a possibility. I think a lot of strippers are very upset at this because it has been enforced in the most punitive way. Like in the, so, and what I mean by that is that, um, the first hundred to $400 that you earn in dances goes to paying your wage instead of them just paying your wage. Oh, okay. And then, um, yeah, they're taking different cuts of our wages and they're still expecting us to tip out and to do all of these things, even though under that law, it is illegal to request tip outs and illegal to re request house fees and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's just so people and also these clubs, because they're having to pay wages, they're not hiring as much. You can't just walk in and work. Um, so there's just a lot less flexibility. That makes sense. Okay. But at the time, so that's now not a thing in California, but on the East Coast when you were working. Yeah. Yeah. Not a thing. Not a thing in uh, Maryland where I started. <laughs> so what was that first experience like? The first, the first night? Yeah. Um, It was just, it was so scary, but also like incredible. Um, I, I came and I had my little outfit from forever 21, <laughs> the little lingerie set from there. I had heels from forever 21, these stilettos that I don't like, I still have them weirdly enough. I think I kept them as a memento, but, um, they are not meant for dancing. There are shoes that are for stripping and that is not it. These were ripping apart my feet all night. Oh Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was really ambitious. Like my for my audition, it was I mean, it was embarrassing, like baby stripper Selena stuff. Like I was just like doing all kinds of like it was like doing like arm balances on stage and stuff and like going into headstands and like I just was like, let's just do everything and like very fast. Like baby stripper energy is like dancing very fast when you really just need to slow it down and be sensual. <laughs> and I would imagine too when you're at like six hours it's like oh my god it can serve your energy yeah. it's like a workout Seriously, very so many taxing. hours oh my goodness it definitely I mean it is and it and I had read so I came in more prepared than some strippers because I had friends who were stripping and they were like check out stripper web so uh stripper web is like this um one of the oldest urls or htmls whatever um out there it just is this database about like how to be a stripper and things to consider and it was like so they had a bunch of lists for new strippers and they were like talk to everybody and like minimize the amount of time that you talk to people only talk to people for two songs or less before you make your sale um and then stuff that was important like never lose track of your money never leave it in one place people steal from you your friends might steal from you uh men will steal from you don't leave it out you know and also whenever you're walking home or whenever you're going home or to your car just be aware that you're a woman alone at night with a lot of money mm -hmm. so i kept all of that kind of like tucked under my hat and 
I went in and I was like, so I talked to everybody. I like talked to as many people as I could. I didn't know how to be sexy or how to sell my image. And I didn't have an image at that point. I was, it's kind of like whenever people first get into drag, because I, I definitely think stripping is drag because I don't, we're not that femme all the time. <laughs> it's, it's truly like the hyper presentation of femininity. Um mm. But uh, so I didn't have anything really locked down, but people were just I had that baby stripper energy and people responded to it. So I remember like one guy just like handed me a hundred dollars. He was like, I hope you have a good night and I hope you come back. He's like, I, he's like, I saw this is I know it's your first night. So here you go. And I was like, you just handed me a hundred dollars. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i love this (laughs) i like bumped into like a sugar baby and it was like the first time that i had like truly explicit well maybe not the first time but one of the first times that i had been around like a sugar baby explicitly out with her sugar daddy Mm. Mm. and i just hadn't seen that relationship in action and i was like oh my god like i love them so much like she's Playing up how drunk she is. She's probably not as drunk as she is, but she's just throwing his money, like just handing it off to all of the dancers, <laughs> like making it rain, doing shots, handing out shots to any of the dancers who wanted it. And she like came over to me and was like, oh, my God, like, you're so cute. Um, you help, Like, let's take my daddy's money. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she... He like went to the bathroom and he was like, hold on to my wallet, babe. And she like reached in and handed me another hundred dollars. I was like, what's going on here? Like two people just handed me like a hundred (laughs) dollars for existing. And (laughs) and then (laughs) she dropped the money on the floor and was picking it up. And he came back behind her and was like, was like, oh, what did you get up to? Um, And she just like wanted to make sure that I actually that she actually handed me a hundred dollars because she was tipsy, but like not that tipsy. But I mean, it was fine. And, you know, she then she was like, do you want a shot? I was like, no, I don't want a shot. And she's like, "Okay, I'll drink your shot, but we're going to pretend to take a shot together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like a lot of really sweet moments uh, went on that night. And I just fell in love with dancing. (laughs) My question when it comes to working at the club, like what's more intimidating, especially when you're first starting, is it the dancing piece or the human interaction piece? Because to me, when I am around a stripper, I am always just amazed at the level of talent that goes into the dancing and the art form, but also the art form of the human interaction. Because I'm like the amount of of being with all different types of people, like all night and being on and charming all night. I'm like, I'm an introvert and I got maybe two hours in me. So the idea of dancing and also the human piece is just like incredible to me. What was the more intimidating from the top? The people. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like the people looking at me thing, like dancing on stage, like you realize really quickly that nobody's really paying that much attention most of the time. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you either have to be like spectacularly hot or figure out a way to like do kind of like uh, crowd snaps, you know, ways to like snap 
people's attention to you because otherwise they're like very distracted. There's a ton of other hot dancers walking around mostly naked and coming up to them to chat. So it's like everybody's very distracted from the stage. Right. Um, but like talking to people, it's like you have to just bring your baddest self or mm. just pretend that you're your baddest self all the time because people just don't, you know, like they're they're coming from a place of not seeing us as human or like seeing us as people that have complex thoughts and stuff like that. Um, mm. And, you you know, like I they're going to kind of assume really dumb things and you have to kind of go up against that a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just talking to people because people will reject you for all kinds of reasons and reasons that are painful reasons, like the sore spots, you know, like maybe your weight or the way that your breasts mm. are, like your nipple size. They don't like the texture of your hair. They just don't like, in my case, like a lot of times they just don't like brown people. Like they, mm. they would never date a brown person who looks like me. Um, so they're just going to come at you with like all of these really off the cuff comments, like just out of pocket. Um, not all the time. And I think I've gotten really good at navigating it and also crafting my image in a way that it is like very palatable to a broad range of people. Um, but I still, I think we all face a lot of discrimination, even, I mean, really fantastically gorgeous people. Like it's like, stunning Barbie doll people will still get rejected by fucking toads. <laughs> <laughs> and also I was just thinking like, you know, you said people don't view us as people. Mm. I even, you know, you notice the way people treat waiters and waitresses like at a restaurant. Totally. They treat them like total shit and then add in, uh, sex work and then people will make other assumptions that you don't value yourself or that you're this or that you're you're desperate or whatever and then you have another layer of people treating you even more like shit which is crazy to think about it's I mean it's truly wild it's like mm. even I mean it's like waiters will shit on us and sanitation workers will shit on us <laughs> but it's like you know I think it's generally jobs that are not respected. People like don't treat the people well, you know? Well, also that leads to another question I was curious about when it comes to the average customer. I mean, how long, how long have you been stripping? I've been stripping for about four years now. Okay. That's a pretty decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. I'm curious from your perspective, do you feel like the customer base uh, what is their motivation, especially people who regularly frequent strip clubs? What is their motivation? Because I also imagine that some people, it might not even be um, from an aspect of sex, but like of power and of wanting to de like make people feel like shit. I wonder like how much of the how much of the customer base has sort of that mentality well, going into a strip club. So. There are different kinds of regulars. There are lurker regulars and the lurkers are the ones that are there like every night. And they're mostly they just think that they're our friends and they mm. think that it's a hangout and that, you know, they've just shown up and it's kind of like cheers, you know, like <laughs> they're the fixtures at the strip club and 
they're fine. Like some of them are, are chill. Some of them are annoying. And, you know, we actively show that our disdain for them. (laughs) (laughs) And then there are regular customers. And then those are the ones that are deeply enamored with a particular stripper or a particular Mm. couple of strippers. And they have these like very romantic long-term relationships uh, where they come to see us regularly and they only come to see us. Um, and uh, and the, then, I mean, the rest of the people, it's, it's so like happenstance. Like you never know why somebody's going to come through. It could just be like, oh, I'm in the area and I don't want to go home right now. Like, oh, I just feel like I want to hug or I want to be close to somebody mm-hmm. and I want that like sexual contact. Mm-hmm. Um it's truly like a variety. Like people don't tend to come to hate. They tend to come out of different needs. Mm. Um, a lot of it is just touch and affection. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's your favorite kind of customer? Uh, the kind that blow money without really. P- <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Customers who are really fucking high on blow, like, will just go ham and not have a sense of what they're doing, like, with their money. And Mm. they're also, like, soft dick. So that's great. It's like they're just, like, they're just in it because of, like, other mental things. They're, like, the the thrill and the fun and, like, there's... It's a high, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, the high of it. It's just an added high of the high. And then they just, like, want a sexy body on theirs. And sometimes they'll just, like, go off, like, talking about whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And they tend to be, like, chill and just, I don't know. Like, everybody is different on drugs. Like, there's no single way to be high. Um, Some people talk about, like, interesting stuff. And, like, I'm down to, like, just, you know, go off with them. Um, so yeah, I I love those, those people. They're fun. (laughs) I mean, generally like people, like anybody who has an interesting story is, is fun to me. And like, it's like, you know, anybody who's, who's thoughtful about how they are, you know, thoughtful, but then also the people who aren't, who are thoughtless at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you have to be like willing to spend, like you can't just come to the strip club, like think like, oh, I'm just a very thoughtful man and I just want to hang and you know I will respect these strippers like no savior complex (laughs) yeah you're like no yeah they just feel like they're such a gift and it's like you're not like you're just coming to a restaurant and not ordering anything like (laughs) getting an iced tea yeah and just like sitting for hours like what's wrong with you like Because you're pleasant to your waiter, it makes it better. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just Make way you're for nice someone paying, please. Doesn't mean you can't leave a hefty tip. Like, come on. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think I have like a kind of abnormal experience with my, um, I mean, not entirely abnormal. Like, I think everybody has different degrees of relationships with their customers, but I tend to have like really long term, pretty deep relationships with my customers. Like, mm. I, a lot of the people that I started off seeing at the club where I currently work, well, quarantine, um, like I have known them for like two years now and they only come to see me and we only, you know, do stuff together. So it's just, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Are these like all different types of people or is it more like one 
type of person like married versus single or age brackets or is it kind of just all over the board? Um, I think it's pretty all over the board. Um, I would say, though, it tends to be like men who are like in their 40s to 50s, like that age range generally, but a variety of like ages within that and races and income brackets and job types. It's yeah, it's like there's not just a single type. Do you see like a lot of kink? coming in are people coming in and having like very specific requests or is it just kind of like in general someone just wanting to kind of have like let you take the lead are you talking about with like full service sex work or stripping or what are you talking about specifically Jess I'm talking about like in like while while you're stripping like the champagne room type of private dance um most people are to some degree, vanilla. Okay. Champagne room. Well, I mean, we call it different things in every club, but whatever your high budget room is. Um, I mean, I I get a lot of fetishes like I have. And I think it's I just give off like Dom energy. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Like I've had a number of customers say that and like they want different things. Like, I mean... My favorites are always anytime I can like just really step on somebody's nuts or whatever, but <laughs> great. But I've had like, I have a number of people who just want me to pee on them really badly. And I have peed on one of my customers and it was a really sweet experience. <laughs> he was very happy, um, but not at the club, not at the club. I didn't do it there, although he did have another stripper pee on him at the club. So, and like, which booth happen? Like, I don't. Yeah. Like, don't make me step there. Let me know which one. <laughs> Give me a heads up. It's yeah. Um, I have well, no. I have um also had a couple of people who are really into mus- muscle worship and having me like wrestle them down or like overpower them. Um, so that's always fun too. And then different degrees of choking and strangling. Um, and then the biggest one is foot fetish people. And um, they just want to eat my feet, truly. Like, they'll just put, like, as much of my feet into their mouths as possible. And I just, it's just. Really? That's what people with foot fetishes do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that or they just want to see your feet in view. Like if I'm on their lap, they're like, but put your feet on and take off your socks. And I like want to see your full feet and then we'll play with your feet or just. Yeah. So it's it's all of that. Um, but a lot of putting my feet completely in their mouths. I love that. Do you prefer mm-hmm. when do you prefer when someone comes in with like a little fetish versus just like the vanilla? I it's fun. Like I, I love fetish stuff and um, yeah. like I'll probably eventually get into like full time pro doming at some point. Like I just feel like it's going to be one of the branches of my strip sex work career. But um, but I mean, vanilla is fun, too, because I'm a very like sensual person. Like I am all about touch and intimacy and embracing somebody and finding ways to make them feel supported and caressed. Um, and like my customers love that because they're like, 
I just feel like you're nurturing me. Like they'll say that kind of stuff. Like I come to you to be nurtured. Mm. Mm. Well, you're giving people a gift because I'm sure they feel very free to express what they need from you. And you get to give someone the gift of like your, your devoted presence and touch and time. That's really special that I think most people don't get. Totally. Oh yeah. Well, I feel like personally for me, one of my experiences that I've felt like the most beautiful right after like or recently after having my daughter was at a club because I um, was out with some friends and we were at a club and I connect I felt like I connected with one of the dancers and we ended up I ended up paying for a private dance and they made me feel the most beautiful I had felt because I was really struggling like after like postpartum feeling like not sexy at all. And I was just I, I just felt shitty. And I, I was dealing mm. now looking back, I think, with some postpartum depression. And after that dance, they made me feel so beautiful and so sexy. And it literally it took me out of this, like, just kind of like ditch that I felt like I was in. And it took me onto a whole different level for the next few months. And it was such like an impactful moment in my postpartum where I was just, yeah, not feeling myself at all. And I'm so, so grateful for her um, because, yeah, it was just it was an amazing experience to me just because in some other experiences, you know, it was like, oh, this is so fun. But then having someone in the club make me feel like it was like a really precious, special moment for me. And in that moment, I was like, oh, this is something I know personally for me, I had had not any sort of, in my opinion, um, like any like prejudice against sex work, but I just viewed it one simple way. Like it's just mm. sexy and hot. And I'm like, no, this was this was something that made me feel like beautiful and wanted in a adored. different type of and adored. Yeah. In a different type of way, for sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've I've had some really good experiences with like there's a few couples. I mean, and with with women in particular, um, I remember like one couple they were just I mean, they were just like really happy. And like I just played with um, the um female partner and like it was just it was like fun and playful and easy and she felt sexy and like felt really happy in her body and like mm. I really enjoyed her body too because I was like oh like this is really hot and like I'm really like I'm really down for this um I just I don't know I love like whenever women get to be in the club and get to enjoy the experience I think like too often a lot of people will drag in their partners and that's a different thing and that mm. like does not feel good and or it'll be like something mm -hmm. where there's like an insecurity um you know uh i've watched too many too many people or girlfriends dance in a way on their like lap dance on their boyfriends in the club trying to block their view mm. <laughs> and like that's yeah. not a healthy level but if you come in as a person and like you have your own internal reason why you're there and like enjoyment and you're able to be in that situation like dancers I mean we love catering to women I think it's like it's so special all right let's take a quick pause uh broads you may feel like your house or apartment that was once spacious quiet sanctuary is now feeling extremely cramped or claustrophobic and loud and if you're listening and shaking your head yes I can tell you about something that's helping me uh 
I got a great pair of earbuds to help reclaim my space and block out some of that extra noise recently, especially being a mother. Love ya. Need that blockout. Sometimes everyone could use a great pair of wireless earbuds and even better, they don't need to cost you hundreds of dollars. Raycon wireless earbuds is the solution you've been looking for. I love these headphones so much. Actually, one of my friends asked on her Instagram today what brand of headphones people recommend. And I was like, um, Raycon. Raycon. They are my work from home, workout from home, five minutes of silence. Superheroes. Can't mm. live without them. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds. Um, they're the best model yet. They've got six hours of playtime, Bluetooth pairing, and a noise isolating fit for about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market. If you had a camera set up in my house these days, you would catch me dancing slash cleaning around my house daily with my Raycons in while Ember naps. Um, And you would also catch me working out listening to podcasts in the evening with my Raycons in as well. Uh, And oh, just because they're affordable, by the way, doesn't mean that they're skimping on the quality. They sound just as amazing as any other top audio brands you already know and love. And Raycon was founded by Ray J and tons of artists like J.R. Smith and Cardi B are obsessed. So you know the product is good. And I'm going to say this. If they're good enough for Cardi B, I would never question, okay? True. (laughs) Never. I'm going to buy them because of that. Exactly. Uh, So now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash chatty. That's buyraycon.com slash chatty, B-U-Y, buy, for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash chatty. So what has your personal journey through sex work looked like? Because you mentioned it'll be one of the many branches. So could you talk more about kind of, so you had that first night and then what has the past four years looked like in terms of just yeah, the branches that you've that you've taken. Yeah. Um, so I was so the first time whenever I first started stripping in Baltimore, I was only at that club for like maybe two and a half months. And it was because I was there to earn at least twelve thousand dollars to pay for my trip to Brazil. And and it was like, that's not a ton of money. But over two months, it's not a bad amount of money. And in Brazil, that's like $36,000. I mean, you know, it's actually more now. Um, it would actually be like $48,000 because the AI is like really low right now. Um, so that's like if I was bringing that money in, then that's kind of like middle class ish income enough to like afford an apartment and stuff. So that was like my mindset and my goal. Um, And then within like the first month that I was there, I met my sugar daddy, my very first sugar daddy. And he's this like really sweet um, landscape architect. And he was like one of the designers for like this uh, for like the Inner Harbor in Baltimore and like did just really cool stuff. He was always trying to get me to go visit the places that he designed. And um, it was was, like so precious. Um, He was, so he had never really had any um, long-term relationship. He had only dated this one woman for like four years. And then since then had not had anything. And I think he was, he was older. He was like 60. So it was like, definitely like the age thing was like harder at that time. And I was also younger, but 
but he was also so like gentle and innocent and like just so new to the world of exploring his own sexuality. So it was like really interesting, like learning alongside him learning. And he like paid me so much better than I expected. Like, I, I mean, now it's not like money that I'm like, oh, this is crazy money. But it was like, you know, to hang out for a day, it was like a thousand dollars to just chill. And like, we didn't do any sexual touch stuff. It was like we would go to see an orchestra and we'd go walking through the forest and then he would take me out mm-hmm. to dinner. It was like very wholesome in this really weird way. And and sounds like a yeah. lovely day, too. I know. <laughs> what a joy (laughs) he would like take me to like you know cool museums that i liked like the outsider or the um visionary art museum in baltimore which is like for all of these like outsider artists which is to say like Mm -hmm. non-gallery art it's because that system is very privileged um so i was like super down with that and he was just like just very thoughtful and caring but also very neurotic very like he was very ocd Like he would give me a bulleted list of like four different options for us to do. I would pick one off the bat, just like, I want this. And he'd be like, well, but have you considered all of these other factoids about all of these things? And like, if (laughs) this one, and then what if we did this? Because that could go wrong if we did this. Like he just, it was a million and one scenarios that he would run through for everything. Um, And one time, like, So if he wanted any like sexual contact with me, we would only do it at the strip club. So um, one night. Did you set that boundary or was that just. It it just kind of happened. It was I think it was also just like early enough in the the stage of the relationship that we hadn't done like we hadn't gone there Mm -hmm. yet. Um, And uh, so one night he paid for like a whole night of me and this other dancer to just like do like lesbian play stuff, like put on like a girl on girl show. Um, And then afterwards he was like, so I got this bill and it was like $4,000 and I just want to know like where everything went. And he was like going through this like very itemized list. He's like, we did this and then this, and then I took both of you this and then that. And then if I do this and then plus the tax and then they do the and credit card fee. I just want to know like, oh my God. this and this go. And I was like very uncomfortable. Cause it's like a lot of talking about a lot of money to me. And like, I'm just, I don't know. We also, I got very drunk that night. <laughs> like there was a lot of drinking in the champagne room to make it through that yeah. night. <laughs> oh god like it really like I started drinking whenever the the other dancer I was with like decided mistakenly like such a mistake to take off his shoes because his his feet smell like sour milk <laughs> oh no it's so nasty and it's just sometimes oh, with the people that pay you the most money they just like neglect themselves in every other way and like mm. so it was like one of those signs like he just truly neglects himself until it comes to like these things um and that was so much of our relationship was like he could not justify taking care of himself or enjoying life unless he was spending a lot of money to do it in a way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so like if we went to a restaurant it couldn't just be like an easy you know like little diner or whatever like it had to be the nicest restaurant and like 
because he wanted to have the peak experience at any given time. And that was measured through ratings and through dollar signs and everything. Very interesting. Um, So he paid essentially with, with our dates for me to go to Brazil. I made my goal. um, And then I left for a year with my partner and we stayed down there for a year and then we came back. And then afterwards I got back into stripping because I just missed it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I would have like dreams out there of like being back in the club and dancing because I just, I love it. I love like pole dancing. I love the dancers. Um, Any opportunity to be mostly naked or be in my lingerie is so fun. And so, yeah, then dancing led me to meet some people that I was down to do out calls with. Um, Like the first one that I really started doing that with was. um, Can you clarify for our listeners what out calls are? Out calls are just like sex work off site. So um, whatever that means at the time, it varies so much. So for this particular person, Danny uh, who I've talked extensively about. And if, if anybody is like on my Instagram, you've probably read a Danny story or Patreon. I like, he's one of my most consistent regulars. Um, but I, so I got into, um, seeing Danny because I just remember like one night we were the first night that we met he was really fucking high. Like he was so out of his mind, like slumped over the couch, but then he like found a way to like whirl around and be like, Hey, you curly cute, like <laughs> called me over <laughs> and was like, I want to do a room with you, but I need some blow. And I'm like, I, like, I don't know. Like I'm new. It's also within the first month of me starting at this particular club. I didn't know who was selling blow at that time. And I was like, I don't know, like maybe talk to the Russians. Like they might know somebody who knows somebody. I think she knows. And so I like pointed him in the direction of this woman who's very severe. She is like no bedside manner, very demanding, (laughs) very straight business. And I love it. Like she's just, she's a cold, hard hustler. Um, And so she he ropes us both into a room because she won't give him blow unless he also buys a room with her. And so we go for like the first I think it's like just a 30 minute room. So it wasn't like too crazy. It was like 600 per girl. Um, And then she was like, "Okay, 500 for me, 500 for she. And then he was he was like, "Uh, "Okay." And he just kept we just kept doing that for like hours. It would just be (laughs) that much money. And then 500 for each of us in a tip, like, and we just kept going and going until the night ended. And even like beyond that. And then we exchanged numbers and I didn't expect anything to come of it. And then eventually I was like, well, if he can just blow that kind of money, like, I think he's good for it. (laughs) Like, I think I can, I think I can kind of believe that he's going to be good. Danny's good for it. Yeah. And then we started meeting up and like hotels whenever he would come visit. And um, yeah, he's just, I mean, he's the most eccentric person, but I love him so much. He's such a sweetie. (laughs) So was that your first foray into doing out calls? Yeah. Well, I guess aside from my first sugar daddy, um, Mm -hmm. because yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, we were out of the club already, like doing stuff, but it wasn't like there was not the same sexual element outside of the club. 
Danny's like my first like outside of the club like sexual stuff and that was scary honestly because you go and you don't have any of the protections of the club like you don't have bouncers to follow up and make sure if somebody's like not going to short you or you don't have like somebody to like protect you in case you're beaten up or something like people can sexually assault you and like you're the only security that you have so like going into that, I was like, I was scared. I like shared my location with my friends. I told everybody where I was going. Um, I was like, you know, this is the person if anything happens. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was like, it was a huge risk. And it's also just like going into conspicuously affluent places as like a conspicuous sex worker is also another thing because it's like, I don't look like I'm his daughter. I don't look like I'm related to him. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. like there I don't look like I'm his consultant or anybody like that. Mm -hmm. Like I look mm -hmm. like I am coming to you know be sexually with this person. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's like a whole other thing that I have to that you have to like mentally for me at least I have to go through and just be hella sturdy. I just have to be very sure and sturdy in those moments. How did you feel like you were ready to start doing that? Was it just kind of an on a whim type thing or something you had been thinking through before? Um, I thought about it and I definitely waited for a long time. Like there were other opportunities when I could have. Um, but one, I hadn't seen money like Danny's money. <laughs> so I was like, okay, at least I can guarantee that this is going to be good money. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the other thing is just like, I didn't, it's annoying having the club take a cut of everything. Clubs take like, I mean, the club where I work at takes 51% of our earnings most of the time. Sometimes it's 50% as the dances get more expensive. Wow. But it's like, they're taking 51% of every bit of money that I, every dollar that I earn. So I'm like, I'd rather just get all of the money in my pocket. Like I don't want to split it with anybody. And that was like the real impetus to, to go and try doing out calls and try doing solo work. How did that evolve over time? Um, like doing the solo work. Yeah. And, um, just if there was anything else, you mentioned that you think you'll branch into doing full-time dom work in the future. And I was just wondering about your introduction into other branches of work as well. Um, I just know I, so I started off stripping, having a sex work community. Like I had strippers who were my mm -hmm. friends. And then as I started to like dip my toes into it, I just met more and more people who were in the world. Like it was, and looking for like some kind of sisterhood or, you know, some kind of organization, I um, just started meeting people and looking online. I was like, oh, like I really admire this sex worker who is saying this stuff. Who do they know? Like, how can I follow other people that they're in touch with? Um, mm. And so my community just started growing and growing and like I would hear from one sex worker to follow this other sex worker, like Sita Kaylin, like it was like, okay, I love Sita, like cool, like Jack the Stripper, awesome, let me go check them out, like Nymph Enchantress, like awesome, like let me look at what they're doing. It was just 
like that. And then people coming into my world, like who were looking for me, they were like, Oh, I need help. Like, can you talk to me about tripping? Like, I see that you're writing about it. Like, do you have any tips for me? Um, Mm -hmm. So it really just like kind of grew out of this need and this desire for community that I started exploring other things and started looking into the history and the politics around it and legislation Mm -hmm. around it and um, just started getting involved. And, um, and then I think also with like the um, being a professional dominant, like, that is also something that has kind of, I think it's been something that's like calling to me, like (laughs) in the sense that like people are like, Hey, you should do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like customers say it and friends say it. It's just kind of like how being a stripper is like that. It was like a lot of people were like, you should just be a stripper. You'd be a great stripper. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's kind of like that. Um, so that's why I feel like I'll eventually do that. I'm speaking curious. of that, what oh, go ahead, oh, I was going to say, speaking of that community, what do you feel like some are some of the biggest misconceptions about sex workers and maybe strippers in particular? Oh, um, there are so. I was going to say where to begin, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people put a little bit. Uh, well, a lot, a bit too much emphasis on men in the, their views of, of sex work. Mm -hmm. Um, they really center the narrative around men and their gaze and their monetary dominance or other forms of dominance, be it physical dominance or whatever, um, as the basis of the industry. And it doesn't feel that way it feels more like there's a lot more queer and non-binary and feminine uh collectivizing of powers and agency so um a lot like i've I've been like going off on the internet like for the past two days at fk twigs so that's like (laughs) been an ongoing thing but she she did this performance at an Atlanta strip club where she's like, I wanted to reclaim it from like the dominant male energy to a dominant female energy. And I'm just like, well, one, this isn't your space. So you can't reclaim a space that isn't yours. Mm-hmm. And then two, who said it was pre- predominantly filled with dominant male energy. Like if you talk to any strippers, that is not the case. And if you like, know what it's like to be in a strip club it's just like such a it's just like a weird turn it's like this (laughs) it's truly like a topsy-turvy world of power and like the there's just like very complex uh intersections uh going on that it's just you can't just boil it down to like the men are are having the power over the women or the non-binary people and and then also to like put it under the umbrella of like other women, like I am trans identified. I know a lot of other trans strippers. I know a lot of very butch mm-hmm. or masculine he, him identifying strippers. Like mm-hmm. we're all putting on the same feminine drag to like put on this show to be girls. Like th- there's nothing woman about us. So And so you, you know, she and other people put in a lot of this very like 
presumptive paternalistic language upon what's going on when they don't really have an idea of like what the work is or what our relationships are. There's also stuff like they assume that there's a lot of infighting, but I think people would be surprised that there's much more internal collaboration than there is infighting. It's not just like stripper fights all night. What were you going to (laughs) say? No, I was just going to say, well, then also I think creating that sort of narrative like what you were you were talking about the narrative that Mm -hmm. fk was creating doesn't that also sort of center then strippers as sort of victims in a way in the way that she's presenting it in this Mm -hmm. uh that she needs to liberate us right 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 (laughs) victims of the patriarchy which then sort of pins sex work or stripping in particular as Right, as the people who choose to do that as victims or or desperate people who are oppressed by the work that they've chosen to do in a way it sort of poises that perspective even though her goal was maybe to try to to liberate yeah <laughs> <laughs> like thanks freeing <laughs> us <laughs> well and you I also I watched your highlight on it mm-hmm. um there's also the bigger issue that I would love for you to speak on if you'd like to about, uh, you know, you brought up FK is appropriating then strip culture, but at the same time is not putting in any legwork to actually advocate for real strippers, people who are in real sex work outside of her liberating images. Yeah. Um, and yes. And maybe you could speak to that in terms of stripping as this very trendy popular sport physical activity uh yeah yeah i mean there's just there's so much going on right now i think there it's truly like a pole fitness culture has like hijacked stripper culture and Mm -hmm. now a lot of that language is like finding its way into the strip club and it's like there can be a symbiotic relationship I think that people can pull for fitness like but it does require a certain degree of like ethical responsibility to it because like we face real discrimination and obstacles and we are fighting for things like there are a lot of organizations that are currently advocating for big things. So, for example, strippers are striking across America In Portland, there's the PDX stripper strike going on. They're organizing not just in Portland, but in other states to work to end discrimination within clubs. Um, And they're doing some really incredibly crafty, complicated things, taking pages from the way that discrimination or segregation uh, was dismantled. Like literally, it's like mind blowing the things that like I'm going to give a shout out to Kat, like that Kat is doing and that she is formulating. Like I'm incredibly amazed. Like she's talking about like interstate taxes and stuff. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like soldiers of pole, the organization that I'm part of, I'm kind of part of everything. So I'm an adjacent member, <laughs> but soldiers of pole, like we have been talking about union actions. We are organizing with SEIU 
Um, and we are just trying to um, find, I mean, like we do so many other things beyond just like trying to unionize, like we're helping other strippers with like legal uh, action if they face discrimination or have like other things that they need legal help with. Um, we provide all kinds of like tools for um you know, filing for things like unemployment and handling the pandemic and we provide mutual aid. There's like a million and one things. So another org stilettos out in uh, our stiletto, I think is, is in Pennsylvania is another striking stripper group. And that's just like to name a few. There are others that like are maybe more underground. And like, they're also like, we've been talking to clubs in like Colorado and talking to some even out in Canada. So it's like, Strippers are talking in a way that we have never been able to before um, mm -hmm. because of social media, because of all of the platforms that we have. And we're saying some really important things. Um, and, you know, pole for fun. I mean, pole is fun. Like strippers fucking love pole. Like we love dancing. We learn from pole culture videos and stuff. But there is this responsibility to also like use your platform to elevate the voices of people who are marginalized. Like, otherwise mm -hmm. it's just cultural tourism. You're enjoying the fun and the glamor and the edginess without realizing that we face so much discrimination. Like, I can't put my work on my resume, like in, in most jobs, like I will not be taken seriously. Like people won't even look at my application. I know people who are in grad school who like completely hide their identity uh, because they're afraid that they'll lose grants or they'll lose opportunities. I know people who have lost opportunities and grants and things like that for coming out. I know a lot of people who have been hara like harassed. I know people who have been stalked. I know plenty of people who have been raped and other forms of sexual assault. I know, you know, within the industry, wage theft is rampant. Like, the fact that we have to pay to work is just unprecedented and that we have like a built in like bribery system, essentially, which is tip outs and house fees where they're taking, you know, often up to upwards of a hundred dollars per shift that we work, you know, of, of money that we just pay out so that we don't get harassed or whatever, or so that people do their jobs that they are paid a salary to do, you know, do so. There are a litany of issues that are, and I mean, even right now we are in a pandemic and strip clubs have been largely excluded from, you know, pandemic assistance. Mm -hmm. um, they, I mean, strippers have had a lot of trouble getting unemployment because we've been misclassified in a lot of states. I mean, the classification thing is a whole policy thing and I don't think people really want to get into policy, but maybe they do. But um so, yeah, it's like prurient businesses, which a lot of us are prurient businesses, sex workers in general, cameras, anybody who considers like their sex work industry to be their own personal business and they classify it as such. They were excluded from any pandemic uh, loan assistance. So any of the um, SBA loans and stuff, small business associations or SBA loans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just like we're facing real systemic exclusion and we are talking about very crucial things that are real life or death issues. And people are feel, they feel like they can just not 
participate with it and that they can just come in and like FK thinks that she can just heal us by having a little dance party at a club and not even to mention that at the, her last dance party, none of the only, okay, not none, but only a handful of strippers that worked at that club were permitted to actually work on that night, which meant that, you know, up, like most of the workforce was unemployed for that night. They didn't receive any compensation or wages for her renting out the club. They just lost a day of work. And then shortly after that happened, without any like notice that entire stripper workforce was laid off that whole cheetahs lost their jobs which is the name of the club so cheetahs the club was oh it's it was at cheetahs oh my god it was at cheetahs in hollywood and so i have a ton of friends from cheetahs and they lost everything and they're like i know one of my friends she's dealing with like breast cancer another of my friends is a single mom like other people are just trying to have like escaped abusive relationships. Other people are on the poverty line already. So it's like they just lost all of this. And it's like we don't hear anything from these celebrities that are using these clubs that are using the image of strippers whenever these things that are like are completely devastating happen. They just have fun mm -hmm. and then they go off and do something else and they get the praise for it. And they don't talk about our culture. They don't talk about even the people who are teaching them, you know, like where on FKA site are the strippers behind her in the video? Where do we get an introduction to them? Where do we know their names or their handles? Like, mm -hmm. why don't we get to know about their lives or their hustles? And what about all of the homeless strippers and all of the people who are facing like real economic issues right now? Like, it just, it feels completely exploitive. And mm -hmm. I think that these celebrities don't get that, but they need to. So what way can people ethically participate in pole culture? If, the, you know, we do have listeners who love going to their Tuesdays and Thursday pole classes and have never really given a thought before mm -hmm. to the culture that they're um, borrowing from. I mean, pole is fun. Um well, one, I think credit strippers, you know, don't try and say, oh, well, pole has been around. And if you look at Chinese tradition, there has been. <laughs> <laughs> don't try and skate around it like you're wearing pleasers, like you're on a spinning metal pole. Like, what do you think this is? So be honest with what's going on and where this comes mm -hmm. from. So credit strippers pay attention and share the information about what's going on whenever, you know, like whenever we're talking about stuff that's important. Like right now we're talking, we're talking about the Earn It Act and how an end to our, uh, to, um, what is the, 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 the encryption, an end to an encryption, encrypted services is completely harmful. You know, like it's, it's mm. going to make sex work much more dangerous because we won't have the privacy to conduct our business and we're already cracked down constantly. Um, so like pay attention to what's going on and elevate our voices and then you can have fun on the pole. <laughs> you know maybe shout out like a venmo or a paypal for a stripper that you admire or maybe shout out a venmo or a paypal to a stripper who's in need who you see struggling it's just like you just need to see us as like people and as part of the community and don't 
you know, like you have to search out to find us is the problem in a way because we are algorithmically excluded from visibility pretty often. So a lot of this is like word of mouth or you find one stripper who has a big account like Jack the Stripper and then you start finding other strippers. So it's like you just... (laughs) You got to do a little searching. You got to do a little bit of legwork or I guess digital Mm -hmm. legwork. And then you're, you're chill. Like you can vibe with the crew. You can do your pull stuff. (laughs) I saw in your highlight too, one of the suggestions you made that I thought was so great was, um, paying, paying an actual stripper to teach you pole dancing. (laughs) Like, I'm like, that makes sense to me. Like pay someone to learn their craft. (laughs) Like, Exactly. I mean, I know so many amazing strippers who are amazing pole dancers. Like they can do the most amazing stuff. Like and and it's, you know, you you can do that. You can find a stripper and learn from a stripper. It's not impossible. <laughs> all right. So, I have to say, broads, one positive thing that has come out of all of this sheltering in place is that I have been able to figure out which errands are necessary and which ones can be done online. And I got to tell you, like 50% mm. of the errands that I thought had to be done in person can easily be done online. 50%. That's a lot. Uh, like, for example, going to the post office, for instance. Uh, no more, thanks to stamps.com. Also saving me some major money. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. I'm a huge fan. You get to stay in the safety and comfort of your own home, your office, or anywhere else you may be right now, and it's so easy. You just use your computer and you print official U.S. postage 24-7 from your printer for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. You can even save some money with discounts that aren't available at the post office, Mm -hmm. so major plus. That's right. And with stamps.com, you can get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 60% off shipping rates, saving you time and money. What more could you ask for? Oh, but wait, there is more because stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no UPS residential surcharges. Look into it. It it adds up a lot. Thank you, stamps.com. They have you completely covered whether you need to send back some of that online shopping you've been doing or you're a small business sending out orders, there's no need to put yourself through the hassle of going to the post office ever again. And right now, our listeners can, of course, get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus you get free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. You just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and you type in chatty. That's stamps.com, enter chatty. So, Broad's... You know, I think we love to create, especially with the podcast. We like making content and telling stories. It's one of the most fun things that you can possibly do for a living. However, I don't particularly care for the little details involved in the creative endeavors. Um, And I would bet that most creatives relate to this. Uh, Most people were good at uh, big picture thinking. But when it comes to the little things, no, thank you. I'd rather have a voluntary dentist cavity situation than reformat content for every platform that it needs to be redistributed yeah, so on so overwhelming oh, um, so much <laughs> seriously that's a the thank god for issue we've got no unnecessary dental procedures needed thank you uh issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines to sales collateral and more it's perfect for creators marketers designers educators 
Well, really anyone, because in today's digital world, pretty much everyone's a creative. Mm -hmm. I love Issue because it lets you create and storytell, and they handle the rest with zero hassle. Seriously, all you have to do is upload your PDFs and files, and Issue transforms them using your vision. You create it once, and Issue makes it possible to uh, distribute everywhere quickly and easily the way it should be. And if you've ever tried to make content and then have to reformat it for every platform, you know how long it takes. It's such a hassle but with issue they take care of all of that for you it's very dreamy best of all it's free to get started with issue go to issue.info slash chatty to sign up for your free account now that's spelled i-s-s-u-u dot info slash chatty and there you can sign up let them know you heard about it from chatty broads remember that's dot info not dot com and that's spelled I-S-S-U-U dot info slash chatty. And that's where you can set up, set up your free account today. Well, with everything going on in the world and not being able to be at the club, um, how has your work shifted and changed? Yeah, I'm super curious about this. Oh, yeah, and I want to hear about your your phone sex, uh, your current phone sex obsession. Yeah, um, I could start with the phone sex because that's a little different than the uh, other stuff. So um, I met this woman through another sex worker friend of mine, um, and she is an absolute darling. Um, Her partner passed earlier this year. Um, and she and her partner had been together for something like four years. Uh, her partner passed of, of I think, um, a really like terrible cancer. And it was very sudden. And she wanted to get back into her body and into her sensuality and find her voice um, and find, yeah, just start getting back into that after losing this person. Um, and so... It's really like we've I've tried so many different things, <laughs> like what started off with doing like video chats where we would do like um like strip games and stuff. Like I would get her to strip down with me and then like doing um, other ways of like playing um, like uh, <laughs> like uh, intermittent like exercise plus like vibrating like vibrators and. And then finally, like we got into phone sex um, and it just like it clicked because I think with with sex work, I think especially catering to women or people with vulvas, um, you're just it's a different mindset. It's not obvious Um, what women want, what people with vulvas want is like it tends to be more complicated and more cerebral and like holistic. It's not just like, oh, this person is hot and now I have a boner. (laughs) there's so many different levels and I really like I as a person with a vulva I know you kind of have to meet me at my mind first (laughs) super situational and sort of Mm -hmm. like fantasy situational I think a lot of times too exactly exactly and so um we started reading erotica together um so I would pick out different stories or she would pick out a story um and also this was at the time where I started writing erotica for um Berlinable which is a erotica publisher. Shout out to Berlinable. Um <laughs> yes. But uh so I started writing erotica and I was just getting into it and I was trying to like just develop my own voice with it. Um 
And so I was like, why don't we just some, read some erotica together? Because she's like, I want to be able to articulate those things. Like, I want to say more mm. than just, oh, God, whenever I'm feeling good. <laughs> mm. um, and so I was like, well, it's like erotica is a great way because it's other people's words a lot of times. And you can just, you know, you're just reading it. So you're just putting those like vocalizing those words. So we started doing that and we kind of fell into a format of like, um, and then she was like, well, she still wanted to do that. And I was like, I still want to have this improvisational element to it because it's like, it's one thing to read like other people's, you know, ecstatic exclamations as I've called them now. It's like my little <laughs> term. It's different to, to, to say them in that moment. So um, I started getting into creating phone sex scenarios, which it was not a skill I had I, or I just didn't know I had. Because um, I think as AFABs, as people assigned female at birth, like we are not conditioned to have that erotic voice a lot of times. I mean, typically, you know, we're, we're completely conditioned to have the opposite to, to find silence or to not express that. I think people in America generally, cause we're just pretty repressed. Um, or just like a super two dimensional voice too. That's like, the same yeah eight mm -hmm. things that you hear in all mainstream <laughs> porn yeah <laughs> here's the list you can't go off of this <laughs> and there's like nothing wrong with like learning some stuff from porn but it's but yeah you know like you it's it's not necessarily you and like you have to find the you in that um that would make by the way an excellent online course if you did a a dirty I, I was talking just course thinking. <laughs> I was like, if Selena is going to start doing a course, I will take this. <laughs> Just a thought. I, I know. It's like, it's, it's, there's so many things. Um, <laughs> so we, yeah, so we got into, we would, so now we start by reading erotica and I, and I write, so I'll read some of my stories or, and I got her to start writing too, which was like a whole other discovery of like her finding her erotic voice and also like, Something fun that she does is like she reclaims old memories that didn't go the way that she wanted them to. Mm. So she's like, what if this is that's super powerful? Totally. Yeah. Um, and so she's been rewriting that history and creating her own erotica. And so she'll read it to me or I'll read to her. And then we go into phone sex and, and it's great. Like we'll both be like using our vibrators and, and it's like you can just get into it and it's just like it's it's beautiful so <laughs> yeah that's my little foray into phone sex seriously though finding your erotic voice is like such a good online course if you ever decide oh to sell God. that let us know and we'll plug yeah, away seriously and the the idea of what you just said rewriting situations and changing them just i've got i have chills all over my body i would imagine that that would be like becca said like so powerful that would just feel like therapy in so many ways. Totally, totally. And and even just like, you know, it's giving some voice to stuff that maybe you you just didn't think about that much at that time. Like it was a feeling, but then you flesh it out and you're like, wow, like you're discovering something in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. So that's been really fun. And I have not like fully catered sex work to a woman before, like in this, to this degree, like long-term, like I have not had like a long-term um, female client. So that's been like 
I mean, I was initially scared because I was like, oh, like it's it's so complicated. Like women are just so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to do it. It gave me a lot of anxiety, but I, I think I'm just like I hit the groove. Is there a sense mm-hmm. of more vulnerability too? Yeah, like I just, I mean, like, I just don't give that much of a fuck about men. Like, I mean, I do, <laughs> like, but they're easy. They're really simple. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even the complicated ones, like, I don't have to try that hard or like, and there's not the same level of awareness. And this is mm-hmm. a making a generalization. And I'm not talking about, like, I'm talking about like cishet men, mm-hmm. like not all men. but yeah cishet men it's just it's there's a simplicity to it and there's a formula to it and I think we're all a bit you know uh aware of that formula because of how we're conditioned in society Mm -hmm. like the rules of society are in play whenever you're working with men the rules of society are all out the door whenever you're working with women as like an AFAB Yeah, and I think for a what would you say AFAB people, or you say AFABs, AFABs or AFAB people, however you want to go for it, <laughs> whatever. So for for AFAB people, also we're taught from birth an awareness of our bodies and awareness of other people's bodies and the way that they relate to our bodies in a way mm-hmm. that others I don't think are conditioned. And so I think because of that, I I can I'm just imagining in your position that there's a more sense of vulnerability because, like you said, there's an awareness that the other person has of themselves and of you at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it was just I was just even thinking about like how much I want to be shirtless in this fucking summer heat in California. Like it's it's hella hot. But then I just was thinking about like, but how do how does it I was thought like, how does a man feel whenever he's shirtless? And then it's like probably like nothing at all. Like it's so casual. Like maybe there's a little bit of, you know, some men are insecure about weight and stuff like that. But it's like there's also just like this immunity to it, you know, like mm-hmm. you can just be out there. There's never like if I was exposed, I would feel so exposed. I would feel so I and I have like I've fucking gone out free the nipple and all that in New York. So like I've done it. It felt so uncomfortable and a constantly seen and just like the 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 weight of the gaze is so different mm-hmm. as a woman and or a person with a vagina or a vulva like I just feel it constantly and it's and it's like I just I know that that's something that I always have to consider whenever I'm dealing mm-hmm. with my female client you know like how she feels how she feels about her body how she feels about my body and Honestly, like whenever we took the video out, I think it was easier for her to just kind of immerse herself in it and just listen and feel and pay attention to her own body and stuff and not have the constant checking in and constant like, oh, but is she having as much fun as me? Like, oh, but what's going on with her? Like, yes. Is she looking at me a certain way? Like, what do I look like at this moment? Like (laughs) staring down at your little Zoom icon at the bottom. (laughs) Totally. <laughs> I was just telling just the other day, uh, you know, I was like, I love the masks because I love the feeling of being able to put on my mask and put on my sunglasses. And I feel so safe in a way that I don't experience the yeah. world. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't experience the world like that most of the time. And it's like a uh, exhale when I get to just be invisible. Absolutely. It's so crazy to me. I was having that same conversation. I was like, I can go out and like not get harassed with a mask on. <laughs> like, <laughs> it feels so liberating in this way that feel. then I'm like, that's terrible. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like this obstruction yeah. of identity is so uh, such a relief. Yeah, I didn't realize it to that level until all this started to happen. And then all of a sudden it was like a few trips to the grocery store. I'm like, what feels so different right now? Something feels so different to me. Well, is there anything else that you want to throw in before we before we wrap this up? Anything you've been ruminating on? Anything that's important to you? Oh, man, we have covered so many things like I've gone. (laughs) I know we've really been just like hitting you with questions. A roller coaster of sex work. Sorry, Selena. I know we've just been just all the questions. Well, what about the work that you do on your I'm curious about what you do on your Patreon. And is that mostly just stories? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Um, Yeah, my Patreon is my stories. Um, So for a while it was my stripper stories all of the stuff going on at the club but since quarantine i've not been at the club um and so i've had to completely switch to like out calls and escorting stuff um so my patreon is full of stories about my customers and i my lens with this is a lot of well pretty uh, most of the literature that we have about strippers comes from men looking at strippers It comes from the customers looking at the strippers and other and even other women like coming in, looking at strippers and thinking the things that they think. Um, And so this is a flipping of the gaze, like me thinking about the people, musing about their lives, outlining what they say to me and kind of like taking an almost like omniscient like voice for it. You know, like I I'm I am there, but I'm not entirely there. Um, a lot of times I think lately I've been more there like more of a visible presence in the writing just because it's quarantine and there's like a lot of internal stuff going on I mean mm-hmm. catering to like my white clients in the middle of Black Lives Matter protests like in between that is just like such mm-hmm. a fucking mind fuck um, so yeah so one of my stories recently was about like one of my customers talking about like having a pellet gun in case protests get out of hand and he's like it could kill a bear I'm like, cool. Good to know. <laughs> if I'm in these streets, I'll stay away. From- <laughs> um, wow. So that and then also I talk a little bit about whenever I get to purchase sex work, which is always a special experience. Um, I have like I am currently seeing this one uh, body worker and we're doing some like tantric stuff and can't wait to like put out the writing about that. But that's still like I have I won't put that out until next month. So, but it's going to, it's going to happen because I have like another couple of sessions with this person and we're going to get into pelvic work. So that's like where the stuff really starts. Um, And uh, yeah, so it's just been a variety of my writings and um, I've just been so grateful. Like people have supported me. I'm almost able to like pay my rent with it, which is like a really good feeling um, to like get paid for my writing and not, just for my sex work. Of course, I love like my sex work and getting paid for that. But I think um, it's just so special. So that's my my passion project. And um, 
I, yeah, I, I can't even, I mean, I've, I've, I've plugged all the plugs. <laughs> well, I mean, I can just say from firsthand that writing is incredible. And then also, like we mentioned at the top, Ho in the Know, Selena's podcast is so good. I cannot recommend it enough. Like I said, I fully was binging. I mean, talking everything from like like you were saying, the recent um, episodes with some black trans people in the sex work community, discrimination in the sex work uh, community, auditioning for clubs, uh, uh, massage parlors. I mean, just everything. And it's just so informative and interesting. So you have to check that out. Obviously, we'll link all of this, uh, their Patreon and uh, and the podcast and everything in the episode I want to shout out notes. all of the orgs that I'm part of because there's like three Please. orgs um, that I am part of. So Soldiers of Pole, at Soldiers of Pole on Instagram. They're or at Soldiers underscore of underscore pole underscore. Very, very great. Super dope. I'm on the board. So, you know, I love everybody and what we're doing. Um, at PDX Stripper Strike is the, the um, Portland strippers and what they're doing uh, to end discrimination. They're amazing, led by my friend Kat, um, doing great stuff. Um, uh, at the BSWC uh, is the Black Sex Workers Collective, and we are doing a fundraising event on July 22nd. Um, and we're going to, it costs $22 to show up and participate. Um, but there's going to be like events. I think it's like 24 hours of different events. Um, and we're going to be hosting an hour. I'm going to be host co-hosting with my, uh, my home girl, Nat, Natalie, who's also in soldiers of pole. And we're going to be showing off a variety. It's like a variety show via zoom. So, you know, feel free to tune in and all of the money goes to supporting the black sex workers collective. Oh, that's amazing. We'll, we'll make sure to be posting that broads all on our Instagram and everything. So you can join. We so appreciate you coming on and giving us all the stories. And like I said, broads, everything will be put in the episode notes below all the orgs. And uh, we'll make sure to include all of that also on our Instagram um, as well. So thank you so much. We so appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It was great to chat. And with that, chat soon, broads. Chat soon, broads. Chat soon, broads.